Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, when you were in school... What kind of student were you? Or what kind of student are you? Um, Many of you were attentive students and you learned and you put the effort into it to learn stuff. I was not that kind of student. I was someone who crammed and did whatever I needed to do to pass a class. I, I could say instead of learning stuff, I leased knowledge. It was there for a while, and as soon as I was done with it, it was no longer a part of my... I, I don't remember much because I really I, I crammed to pass tests. Uh, but one of the things I did learn, and I still learn and know today, is as I played trumpet starting in fifth grade in 1974, I picked up a horn and, and discovered how to play it. And, and uh, through the years, I, 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 know, I know the trumpet, and I know how to play it, and it's been a great thing. And when I moved to the island... I said, hey, there's a concert band here. I know that. I can do this. And I've played in bands like this before. So I joined the band. And, and I, as many other bands, I, I just was able to play the notes. And, and uh, it was a great and fun thing. But uh, a couple weeks in, uh, one of the guys in the band said, hey, hey, ref. Uh, and he said, would you, uh, would you be interested in playing in this jazz combo? And I'm like, huh, um, I've never done that. <laughs> So, uh, so uh, Tommy Newman was the one. It was Tommy and, and Doc Westring, and and uh, so he, uh, he he invited me to, to to check it out. He told me a, a music book to get and some particular songs to learn, and and so I did that. And once I had done that, he, he had me come to his house, and and as I go to his house, he says he picked out one of the songs. And said, okay, play that one. And so uh, I, I just started in, you know, I had the music before me, the notes were there, and so I played, and, and I got two measures in, and all of a sudden, no, 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 you're playing it like a march. And so it began. <laughs> playing jazz was something, a, a kind of knowledge that I just hadn't learned before, and then talking with him, and then Doc as well. They, there's this sense of where, and these guys have played this for decades and decades, and they know and they feel it, and 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 so they, for them it's just second nature, but for me it's first nature, and and so my knowledge of playing the horn had to change. I knew how to do it technically, I had the skill to do it, but it was them who knew the music. And we're able to make it something that was, uh, and it continues to be good and, and great. Well, uh, knowing things. There's things we know, and then there's things we know. My knowledge of the horn got me so far, and then I needed to learn more about it. Well, there's much of that in the Christian faith. That knowing stuff about God is, is certainly important, important but, but there's knowing and there's knowing. We can use this word knowledge in all kinds of ways. It's got all shades of meanings. Uh, J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, uh, reflects on it in in, in all kinds of ways. You know, we can know, for example, a rock. 
uh, you know, there's a rock and we can tell it's made up from this. This is the kind of rock it is, the kind of stone it's made out of, its characters, its qualities. Uh, uh, we identify the shape of it and, and we can just know stuff about a rock. But when it comes to something that's live, like a horse, well, there's an entirely different way of knowing it. We can know in similar ways to the, to the rock what, a, what kind of horse it is, but horses have personalities and and to say that you know a horse could mean that you've gone to a horse race and you've seen this is how this horse performs in particular races. And, and so I know that horse. But you could be the one who trains that horse and rides that horse. And, and your knowledge of that horse would be entirely different. And when it comes to humans, then there's all kinds of shades of knowledge there as well. You say, I know that guy. I've I seen him before. But... Uh, we have friendships and we have sometimes adversaries and, and we know different things about them. We know some of their peculiarities and the ways that they respond in situations. And, and, uh, and finally, there's knowing God. And there's those who know about God and say, yeah, I believe God exists and that's about all there is. But what does it mean to know God? Well, Peter, in, in one of the letters that he writes... Uh, this is an important concept for him to bring across. And, and for us today to think through, how is it that we live an effective life of faith? How do we do this? Well, Peter has much to say about this. In his second letter, he is writing to a church that is going to face in similar ways what Jude was facing in the church he was writing to. There was going to there's some false teachers that have come within the community, and there's some things he wants to address with that. And, and we'll get into that in chapter 2, but at the outset, he wants to lay some groundwork about who this is and, and what we are all about. And so he begins his letter in, in, in ways to help us remember who we are. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, the, the first 11 verses. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God, our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received the faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his great his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh. 
So at the outset here, as Peter begins his letter, he's doing some things just to make the connections of who it is. These are normal things in a letter, identifying who you are. And, and as Peter does this, he calls himself a servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus, which is a curious mixture of, of descriptions. Uh, you are a servant, or you could say slave, a similar, same word, a slave and apostle. Now, apostle can, can literally mean one who was called, but in the early church, it was those who were called to be leaders, who helped guide and direct the ministry as it was developing. They were the ones who had spent time with Jesus, and so were bringing the message of Jesus, the Messiah, to other people so that they might come to know Messiah and live their lives for him. So he's saying, I'm slave and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have leadership, but I recognize that I have... I have to submit to someone else, that I am a servant of Jesus, even as he sent me to do this. And so he's identifying himself, this is who I am, and, and I'm writing to you. And he, who is he writing to? To those who through the righteousness of God our, and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. So he's writing to Christians, those who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and have come to know him through the righteousness of Jesus. He's making a point early on here that, that the way that we come to faith, to this faith that is as precious uh, as the apostles' faith, is through Jesus' righteousness. It's not because we're good enough or smart enough or people like us. It's because of the work of Jesus that we come to faith. And then he gives them a greeting, grace and peace to you. But then he says, grace and peace to you in abundance, through the knowledge of God and our Jesus, our Lord. There's that word knowledge. It's going to come up five different times within this passage. And, and uh, so something about knowledge is important here. Um, however it is, he, he begins it off by, with that typical greeting and then starts in on what he wants to say with them. And, and, and what we're looking at here, this, this effective life of faith. And as faith begins, his point is that it begins with knowing God. Because as he talks about this, his, his divine power, what does that do? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Did you know you have everything you need for a godly life? You have everything you need through the divine power of the Lord Jesus. You don't need to go searching around for it because as you have come to him and, and have received faith and, and the, the Holy Spirit, you have everything you need to live a godly life. There's nothing to search for or to grasp for. We, we have all that we need. How come? Well, here's this word again. Through our knowledge of him, we know about him. We have knowledge of him. And, and again, what do we mean by know? Is it just I know about him? I believe he exists. Is it like a rock or is it on a deeper basis? And as we continue, we're going to develop this. What is it that this knowledge is supposed to do in us and through us? Because as we receive this and we have all that we need through our knowledge of him who, who called us by his glory and goodness, he, uh, he's given us promises. 
promises for living and promises for what's going to happen eventually, that, that our lives which were destined to be separated from God because of sin are now restored with him. And we can anticipate and look forward to a life eternal with him as he gets to at the end of the passage. But through this knowledge of him, through these promises, it also says we participate in the divine nature. Well, there's another idea for you, isn't it? Did you know that you participate in the divine nature? Uh, now, some along the way think, well, that's maybe going over the top. I mean, I'm, I'm not a god, and well, that's not what Peter's saying. But we participate in the divine nature. Well, how can we do that? We're just mortals. We're humans. But as the Eastern Church notes about this, that uh, recognize when we come to faith, we receive God's Spirit, that He is part of us. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians. Don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? God's Spirit lives within us, within us here in community, but also as individuals. And so if God's Spirit is with us, living and walking with us every day, how can we not but possibly live and participate in the divine nature. Because God is with us. We participate with him in the choices we make and as we allow him and, and, and live for him, the godly lives he's called us to, we participate in this divine nature. There is more to us than what we just see. And particularly as he ends this section here, because we have escaped the corruption of this world and its evil desires. There's a hint that there's more going on in this world than just God's presence and his work, right? That we live within a context. That we come to faith not just in a happy little world without any problems, but in a world with significant problems and issues and desires that do not honor God and lift him up. And so faith's beginning then is knowing God. This is the start of it. This is how it begins, and its inception is through Jesus' work and him in our lives and our participating in his divine nature in opposition to those who live for themselves. We are changed and transformed. We are different. And that's the beginning of faith. But if there's a beginning, it means that's just the start. And as Peter goes on, he's going to talk about what it means to move on from the beginning. And then starts that off by, for this very reason, make every effort. Uh, that phrase, make every effort, you use it again here, but, but be hasty about this. Make this a priority in your lives. And, and what does he want us to do? To add to your faith. Add to your faith. Sometimes we, we think and sometimes we quote Jesus and say, you know, how much faith do we need? Uh, we need faith the, the size of a mustard seed. It's not very big, but it's still there. And that faith will produce much. But Peter's instructions are to add to your faith. And he gives seven different things that build upon that, that add into our lives and, and, and how we, we think and work and live. And those things are our goodness and knowledge. And there's that word again. That, that just knowing what Jesus did for us is, is apparently not enough. 
goodness being moral excellent or doing right things, things that, that, that uh, like kindness and caring for others, but knowledge that guides us and, and guides in how we think so that as we discover who Jesus is, we, we live for him. There's a, uh, when, when you learn a language, there's all kinds of different steps you take within that language. You start at the first and you, you learn words and you learn about vocabulary and grammar and, and, uh, and if you want to say something in another language, you have to think about, okay, I want to say these words and, oh wait, the grammar says I put them in a little different order and you spend time thinking about that and then you say it. That's a lengthy process when you're learning it and trying to communicate with others. Uh, next, you, you begin to develop and, and come with some phrases that you know how they go and, okay, this is the sentence for that and so you can do it. And eventually you get to the point when you come to fluency, you can think in that language, uh, which is not much faster than, than others. When Betty Liu was, uh, she grew up in Thailand and uh, she... While her mom and dad were taking language lessons, she was hanging out with the helper in their, in their house and going to the market with her. And, and so she learned the language much faster than her mom and dad and uh, was, had to be taught English. And, and when they'd come back to Canada, she was in early grades, and, and uh, her teacher said to her mom and dad one day, he's like, you know what, I can tell that as she's answering me in English, she is still translating what I'm asking into Thai and then back into English to form a response. Uh, she was not fluent yet. But when we can think in the language, then we know. And part of that is our walk with God. If we can move from, all right, what does God say that I do in this situation? Well, as we grow in knowledge of Him and who He is, we begin to think like him. And we don't have to, to wonder what it is because as our knowledge has grown, it, it's moved into the deeper core of our thinking and, and our choosing and we are oriented towards what is it that God is all about and what does he want me to do? And then we develop these other characters in our life, self-control, not flying out of, out of order and, or rage, uh, persevering, understanding that there's difficult things to endure and that we still maintain and walk faithfully. Godliness, thinking like God, acting like God, understanding that he's called me to live and to live like him, loving others. Mutual affection, the, the word here is, is the word Philadelphia. Some of you are familiar with several different words for love in the Greek language. There's, there's there eros and Philadelphia and, and agape. This is Philadelphia, brotherly love. And, and in this context, writing to Christians, care for one another. That within our community, we love one another and, and, and look out for the things that are going on with us. Mutual affection. And then he crowns it with love. Uh, the love that's, uh, the word here is agape, and, and uh, his meaning here is the ki same kind of love that God has for the world. John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's love. And for us to love the world around us in that same way, 
to care for them and want them to see the God that created them and loved them. And so these are the steps. And, and what, what's, what Peter is doing here is that as, as we grow in faith, we pursue depth. That it's not a matter of just letting it be, but we actually begin investing ourselves in it and learning it and developing it. And, and as we do this, this is what keeps us from being ineffective and unproductive. That our life of faith is then, therefore, to be effective and to be productive, that, that we, we are, are doing things for God's kingdom. There's things that are happening out of our lives. And, and how does that happen? As we grow in, in building these things in our life, we are to strive to grow. Peter started this section out with saying, make every effort or make haste to do this. And certainly our faith begins with Jesus and his righteousness. That's where faith's beginning is, is, is knowing him and what he's done on our behalf. But it grows as we pursue this, as we develop this in our life. We call ourselves followers of Jesus. That ought to make a tangible difference in our life. If, if you were someone who said, I love pizza and yet no one ever saw you eat pizza, we would wonder about your statement that you love pizza. Because someone who loves pizza eats pizza and loves it and finds the best ones who prepare it in the best ways. Uh, if you are a quilter, you say, I love quilting. Well, you probably don't just know about quilting, but you go to shops and you buy all kinds of different pieces of fabrics and you fashion them together. You actually make quilts and you learn and you develop your skills so you can make great quilts, complicated quilts, and, and that's what you do because you love it. And if we are followers of God, we don't just let it be, but we pursue him. We learn, we develop we think through what does it mean in all circumstances in my life to live for him. We strive and pursue depth. And then finally, faith's finishing is that which we look forward to in the end. As he finishes it up in verses 10 and 11, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. There's that phrase again. Make haste to do this. To confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remaining focused is faith finishing, enduring through the end. Undoubtedly, in your life, there's someone that you've been involved with or connected with at some church somewhere. Who, uh, who, who confessed faith in the Lord and, and then uh, different things in their life happened and they drifted away. And, and the question is, do they really believe? Are they really followers of the Lord Jesus? And Peter's contention here is, let that not be you. Pursue this kind of life. Live this out. Develop these things in your life so that you know your, your election, your calling are sure and, and you're not going to stumble and you'll be welcome into the eternal life forever. That's the challenge and call for us to do this focused all the way through our lives. To live this out in all that we do. If you follow him in this way, that will never be a question. 
Well, how do we do this? How do we strive for this? Certainly developing these things in in the manner that he talks about, these seven steps from faith. uh, At its core, we spend time with the Lord. We spend time getting to know him and walking with him. We spend time in his word. That's how we discover who he is. We have in our world so many Bibles, more than we can imagine. How many are in this room? They're they're stacked up and down the aisles here, which is great. Let's use them. Back in the old days, back in Peter's day, not everyone had a Bible. Not everyone had access to to the Scriptures or to the letters or the Gospels or or the Old Testament. And how would they do that? How How would they spend time with the Lord? Well, they would have to put some effort into it. There's this great passage in Deuteronomy. And as the people of God, as they were in the wilderness, they get this calling from the Lord. And this is out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Many know this as what's called the, the great Shema. Hear, O Israel. Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And as he continues on, he talks about these commandments. In the chapter previous to this, in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, there's a, a retelling of the Ten Commandments and the, the, the circumstances which got them to receiving the Ten Commandments of love the Lord your God and, and, and all the way through on through the, the ethical ones. And, and as he's recited these, he's now saying, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. This is not just a head foot... The heart being the seed of what makes decisions and choices in my life. And then he says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How did they learn about the Lord? Well, they took it and they paid attention during synagogue. They paid attention when the readings were happening. They would take the time and go through the training to memorize so that it would be something that they knew or would have access to because they didn't always have access to the scrolls. But the teachers were there to teach them and they would remember them as they recited them. And, and the direction here is take what you've learned, what's been passed on to you, and then pass them on to the next generation. Take intentional time in your life that you can talk about these things with your own children. Well, this seems like a lot of effort, doesn't it? And it is. But it's effort that's worthwhile because as we are discovering who God is, as our knowledge grows and deepens, we deepen in our faith and and we expand in the effectiveness and the productiveness that, that God does in our lives. So in your life, are you, are you doing these things? Are you spending the time that you uh, need to get to know him? Are you taking advantage of the opportunities you have? We have Bibles. But we also have different writings that we have that teach us and help us to, to, to interpret and understand the scriptures to make it real in our lives because that's what it comes down to for us to live this out wholly and faithfully 
making this a priority in our life, spending time to get to know God through our quiet times, through our prayer, our reflections, and, and then applying it in everything. So that, again, the knowledge is not something, what would Jesus do here? It's like, I know Jesus, and I know what I need to do here because I know him. And then we have an effective life based on a faith that is growing and maturing. And we'll have no question that the end of all things, we will be with him eternally. Let's stand for closing prayer. Lord, thank you for this morning and uh, for just the ways these songs have directed us towards you and your work on our behalf. And Lord, it's good to know about that. But uh, Lord, as Peter directs us here, you're calling us as well to take that knowledge and apply it to be something that becomes part of who we are as you or in your, you and your spirit as we participate in your divine nature. Lord, help us to live this out and that we might be effective servants for you, producing fruits of your work in our lives. Guide us this day through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.